be verse 13. Amen. This is kind of our... Uh, any time Brother Copeland teaches for a long time from a, from a single passage, he calls it a golden text. Amen. And so I'll borrow his phraseology. This, this is our golden text. Uh, has been now for some weeks. And um, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Um, faith doesn't come by having heard. It comes by continuing to hear. And um, I want to encourage you uh, tonight to um, make a commitment to the Word of God this new year. Um, I'm sure that perhaps you've, you know, looked at, at uh, different areas of your life that you'd like to change, do more of this, less of that, so forth and so on, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the Word of God will feed the faith that you need to win the victories uh, in these lives, that, in, in our lives, in these areas of our lives where we keep making these same resolutions. Amen. So this will get to the, to the heart of the matter. And um, so again, the Bible says in, in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And um, the Word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus said we don't live by bread alone. Obviously, we need physical food. But we don't live by physical food alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's a place inside of you that uh, gets just as hungry uh, as, as your physical stomach does. Uh, a place deeper inside of you than your flesh. And it needs to be fed. And it needs to be nourished. And it, and it, and it needs to be strong and healthy. And the Word of God is what feeds that part, that place um, inside of you. As I, as I started over uh, in Genesis this week, um, the Holy Spirit kind of snuck up on me, you know, um, when I began to read about this God who created the heavens and the earth. Amen. Um, I know Him. I walk with Him. I hear His voice. But it was like the Holy Spirit just, and it's, it's, it's hard to put into words, but it's like the Holy Spirit was, was helping me uh, hear it for the first time. And I kind of imagine myself as, as you know, just, you know, knowing nothing about life or nothing about, uh, you know, my origin or anything like that. And, and having stumbled across this book for the first time and, and being introduced once again to this God who created everything. And as, as I did that, I began to think ahead of all the things that the Bible reveals about him and about me and his love for me, and his purpose for me, and why he created me, and then what Jesus did to redeem me uh, because of the mistakes and sins that I've committed. And I don't know, it just, it, it, it got me so energized um, to, uh, to dig back into the Word. Um, probably next week, we're going to be in Hebrews 6. I'm just, you say, well, why are we mentioning it now, Pastor Mark? Because it's just coming up in my heart right now. But one of the things that we're told in Hebrews 6 is to not become sluggish. To not become sluggish. You know, and sometimes it's very easy for us to, to become sluggish when it comes to the things of God. Like we're just, you know, dragging our feet and, 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 and these kinds of things. So we, we want to be sharp. Uh, we we want to we be, um, you know, listening to God and, and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the key ways that we can... Uh, maintain that and even increase that sharpness and that sensitivity in our lives to the things of God is by making a commitment to His Word. Every day of our lives, every, every day of, of your life, make the Word of God a priority. Um, 
there are lots of things, you know, in the Bible that, that um, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, some of Ezekiel and Daniel's prophecies and some of the things I find in Revelation that, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. Um, there's lots of good resources out there that kind of help us with all, what all that means. But uh, I'll just be honest with you, there's a lot of, a lot of that I'm, I'm still not sure about. Um, and so uh, to stand here and tell you that I understand everything that's in the Bible, amen, would not, would not be accurate, right? Um, but I understand more today than I ever have. And, and, and if Jesus doesn't return to the earth standing here this time next year, I'll understand more than I do right now. And, and the one who wrote this book lives inside of you. And if you'll ask him to help you understand it, he'll make it come alive uh, for you, to you, and in you. Amen. But we have to commit ourselves to it. Um, there's a certain attitude that Jesus talked about that we need um, as, it, as it pertains to the Word of God that um, is, is necessary for us to, to receive understanding and wisdom from the Word. And, and it involves making the Word of God a priority um, in your life. Amen. And so faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I know we've read this passage uh, many times, but um, tonight I want to go back to it uh, once again. Uh, I think some of you, if not a lot of you, if, if hopefully most, if not all of you, um, can relate to having read or heard a verse multiple times in your life, but it's, it's that 14th time that all of a sudden, man, something just comes alive. And um, so we make no apologies around here for for uh, looking at the same verse over and over again. There's some things that I want to try to bring together tonight um, and, um, and get us to a, a, a good place, amen, as we begin um, our work week tomorrow, amen. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. I want to do what I did this morning again. I want to begin in chapter 3, verse 1, and I want to read um, verses 1 through 14 from the Passion Translation. From the Passion Translation. And um, it's, it's very similar in many ways to the New King James, but then there, there are some different ways that these things are worded in, a, in, a, in perhaps a more um, uh, modern use of the English language that will help you connect with these truths uh, even uh, deeper. So let's do that, and, uh, and then we'll uh, build on what we're looking at. Amen. So it says, what has happened to you Galatians to be acting so foolishly? You must be under some evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? Okay, so look at me for just a moment. Let me talk to you, if I could, just briefly about this, this one passage here. The King James Version, or the King James Version, New King James says, uh, evidently crucified among you, something to that effect. I, I like the way this reads right here. Did, didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Now, you have to understand that, you know, very good chance that, that there were people who had witnessed his crucifixion firsthand. Um, this is not that many years since Jesus 
had been crucified by the Romans. Um, so this would have been a very well-known event. Um, Jesus isn't just the most popular figure in human history in January 2020. Um, he was the most <laughs> popular uh, human being uh, in, in those days, the, the days leading up to his crucifixion, burial and resurrection, and of course in, in the days uh, after. Remember, time counted up to his birth, right, and then started over. Anno Domini doesn't mean after death. It's Latin for in the year of our Lord. So we just turned over another year, 2020, the year of our Lord, 2020. And so these folks would have been very familiar with the historical aspect of Jesus' crucifixion. In, in other words, that it happened in, in the way that we know Pearl Harbor happened, in the way that we know 9-11 happened, in the way that we know landing on the moon happened. In other words, they, they would have known it from a purely historical event. But notice the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is pointing out that God opened their eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion. So they understood it now because of, of, of something God revealed to them to them, that it wasn't just that Jesus died, but he revealed to them why he died. Now, as you're studying the scriptures this year, as you're spending time in the Word this year, um, remember that the four Gospels, um, to simplify, the four Gospels tell us, of course, the teachings of Jesus, but it also, re they reveal to us what Jesus did. Um, then after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we go to the uh, book of Acts. And this uh, is a, uh, a, a, what's the word, uh, a chronicle. It, 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 it maps out, you know, beginning with Jesus ascending to heaven, his instructions to go tarry in Jerusalem, where the Holy Spirit was poured out. Um, and, and basically, it's the, the launching forth of the church. Now, I've been guilty of this uh, over the years in referring to, to those folks as the early church, um, like they're somehow a different church than we are. Amen. No, no, it's just one church. Amen. And it began with them, but we are members of the same church. We are members of the same body of Christ as all those folks, and we have everything available to us to do what God called us to do uh, that they had available to them for them to do what God called them to do. Amen. And um, so we see then that um, after the book of Acts begins the portion of the New Testament called the epistles. Epistles, just a fancy word for a letter. And um, so, for instance, the book of Romans is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, really by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, to the church at Rome, two letters to the church at Corinth. A lot of you understand this already. But the point that I'm wanting to make tonight is when the four Gospels tell us what Jesus did, the uh, epistles, the letters, tell us why he did it and what it means uh, to us. In other words, the difference that it's made in our lives, the transformation that's taken place in our lives. In other words, if we, if we only have um, the four Gospels, we know that Jesus died and we know that he he, he died to give us life, but it's verses like 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17. 
If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, again, and I'm not here to try to give some long, elaborate teaching on that, but this is, this is what I want you to see. And again, the, the Passion Translation uses words here that, that make this clearer for us. Um, so again, didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Amen. Well, my prayer for you and for me tonight is that our eyes are open to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion. Amen. Not just what it meant for all mankind, uh, but for what it means to you and me tonight. Amen. And not just what it has meant. See, this is where the enemy sometimes uh, deceives us. Even folks that are in love with Jesus and living for Him, we think of His crucifixion in terms of what it meant to us in the past, and we tend to think of what His crucifixion will mean to us one day in the future when we arrive in heaven. In other words, in the past we've been forgiven for our sins, and, and His crucifixion, because He died for us one day, we'll get to go to heaven when we, when we pass. But, but, you know, we often skip over uh, the immediate present uh, you know, tense, so to speak, in our lives. And so it's not just that his crucifixion meant something to you. Uh, you know, I was born again many years ago, and that was a meaningful experience, a transformative experience in my life. And, and, and his crucifixion meant something to me then. And obviously, you know, when I stand before him one day, his crucifixion will certainly mean something to me then, at that point as well. But we need to embrace what His crucifixion means to us right now. Um, we need to understand when you wake up on a Monday morning, amen, uh, what His crucifixion <laughs> means to you in light of the day that's ahead of you. Are you seeing this, right? The next time you have some symptom of sickness or illness in your body, you need to remember what His crucifixion means to you. Um, when you're struggling with some area uh, of, of temptation or, or even uh, repetitive habitual sin in your life, again, you need to remember that His crucifixion means you've been free from that. You need to remember that His crucifixion means you are healed, that you were healed, and if you were healed, you are healed. Are, are, you, see, are you seeing what I'm trying to say to you tonight? So it's, it's, it's um, in the discipleship class, um, <clears throat> we, we talk about uh, the completed work of Jesus and, and, and all that He's done for us and, and, us in, and how we have to embrace that and recognize. I mean, every little detail, um, when they put the crown of thorns on His head, um, He was wounded in the, in the area of, of, of His head uh, specifically for um, mental and emotional uh, deliverance and, and healing and restoration. Um, he was beaten with a whip on his back for the physical healing of, of our bodies. And so, again, we could go on and on with these things. But I'm just, again, understanding what it means, what him dying for you means. And so this sets the tone for what the Apostle Paul is addressing to them in their day, but also to what he's addressing to us in our day. Um, remember, we're going to, we're going to, land at verse 14 again. Remember what he says there. He, Jesus being nailed to that cross, his crucifixion, 
was Him becoming a curse for you so that you could receive the blessing of Abraham in your life. Amen. In other words, let, let, me, let me say it this way. What does His crucifixion mean to me tonight? His crucifixion means, among other things, that I no longer have to be cursed. I no longer have to settle for anything that has to do with the curse. Amen. If, it, if it's uh, listed in the Bible as being part of the curse, I have been redeemed from that. I have been bought out from under that. That no longer applies to me. And if the enemy tries to deceive me and slip something in on me that's from the curse, it's my responsibility as one who has been redeemed from that curse to say so. For me to lift my voice, to lift, right? And, and, and when, when the enemy challenges, we've got to challenge back. We've got to, to, to just as aggressively uh, take it right back to him. Um, hold on just a second. The, the, uh, no, sir. Uh, flu, influenza is part of the curse. And amen, Jesus' crucifixion means I don't ever have to accept or receive influenza ever again in my life. I've been redeemed from it. I've been redeemed from it. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you what you need to do with your own health and flu shots and all of this stuff. But again, we have something more sure than a roll of the dice random flu shot to protect us. Amen. 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 Now, I'm not telling you that the enemy won't try. He will absolutely try. He'll try to walk right up in the middle of your life and start slinging curse everywhere he can sling it. Amen. But, but see, if we don't know what the crucifixion means to us in that moment... Right? If we're fuzzy on that, if we still think we're cursed, if we still think we deserve it, if we still think we had it coming, if we still think this is the bed we made and we got to lay in it, right? Then he's going to have, the, the enemy's going to have a field day in your life. But when you realize, hold on just a second, somebody's already suffered the flu for me so I wouldn't have to suffer it. Somebody's already been made sin for me so I wouldn't have to struggle with this. Somebody was already made poor for me so that I wouldn't have to be poor. Somebody has already, again, that's exactly what the Bible says. Even poverty, that Jesus, he was rich, but he became poor so that you could become rich. Amen. So this is, this is the, 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 in other words, to, to understand, didn't God open your eyes to the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Because what's happened to the Galatians happens to a lot of us their thinking had been formed under the old system of the law and, and that to them, the only way to be blessed and not be cursed was through good behavior. And, and so their thinking, their minds hadn't been renewed yet in these things. And, and so they kept reverting back to that old approach. And, of course, this is what the Holy Spirit through Paul was addressing to them and also to us. All right? So let's keep moving on. Verse 2. So answer me this. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping all the Jewish laws? In other words, I know the answer here is right in front of us. No. 
You received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Okay? But I think it would, it would benefit us, you know, to ask ourselves that question. Amen. Because, again, this deception, um, we often make connections that are not valid. When, when the Lord blesses us, uh, we have this, this tendency, or the blessing manifests itself in our lives, I guess we could say. We have this tendency to say, well, you know, I earned that. Well, you know, I've been good lately. You know, I've, I did help some people the other day. I this, I that. And, and we tend to make these wrong connections. Um, and it's almost as if we're thanking the Lord for blessing us, but somewhere in the underlying mindset is, um, you know, we're thanking Him for doing something that He owed us. You follow? It's subtle. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, go so deep on you tonight, but just think about that. In other words, we have this idea that, you know, you know because I've been, you know, acting right and this sort of thing, that, that somehow God owed this to me. And, th and that's, that's not how this works. Uh, was anybody in this room uh, born again uh, because you were good, <laughs> because you deserved it, because you earned it? Uh, anybody in here received the Holy Spirit uh, living inside of you because you kept all the Jewish laws and the Ten Commandments? See, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We received the Holy Spirit as a gift because we believed in the Messiah, not because we had lived in such a way as to earn or deserve that. Your new life in the Anointed One, the, the Anointed One is Jesus, Christ, that Jesus' last name, by the way, is not Christ. That word Christ means the anointed one. Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one. Your new life in Christ, in the anointed one, began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? Have you endured all these trials and persecutions for nothing? And when he says, have you endured all these trials and persecutions for nothing, um, remember... People who, who stepped away from Judaism would experience many times intense pressure from their families, right, um, to renounce Christ and come back into um, the Jewish uh, way. Um, so those who had received Jesus uh, there in Galatia, amen, um, they had done so at... Uh, you know, at, at cost to themselves, I, exactly what that looked like, I don't know. Um, I'm sure there were things like um, people, if they were business owners, people wouldn't do business with them anymore because they were no longer practicing Jews and, and, and these kinds of things. And, and so he points out to them, you know, that they've in, endured these things to, to, to accept Jesus and to begin to follow Jesus. And he's saying, have you uh, done this uh, for nothing? Let me ask you again. What does the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power have to do with keeping religious laws? Now see, he's asking the same question, but notice how it's worded a bit differently this time. First time he says, um, did he come to you as a reward for keeping Jewish laws? And the answer is no. But now he's saying um, the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power, 
what do those have to do with keeping religious laws? See, now listen, I know that when I'm in a classroom where there can be feedback, um, I've taught these things enough in those settings that I can almost anticipate, amen, and plus the Holy Spirit helped me anticipate, you know, what people are thinking. Because where the devil tries to immediately take folks is, uh, I can just live however I want to live. I can just do, he's saying I can do whatever I want to do and, and I'll be blessed. And blah, blah. No, no, see again, we're more mature than that. Come on now, this is the Sunday night crowd. Right? We're a little more mature than that, right? That's not what he's saying here. It's still wrong to lie. It's still wrong to, 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 to look a man in the face and lie to him. It's still wrong to steal from him. It's still wrong to murder. Still, all those things are still wrong. Amen? That's not what he's saying here. He's saying that we do not receive the Holy Spirit and God working miracles among us because he owes it to us for keeping his laws. That's not how this works anymore. And we've got to... We've got to renew our minds to the way things are in our walk with God now. Amen? So when he, when he says it this way, right, it, it almost sounds like, well, you know, maybe it has something to do with it, okay? But he says the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through the revelation and power of faith not by keeping the law. Abraham, our father of faith, led the way as our pioneering example. He believed God and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. Now, I mentioned this morning, for those of you who are here, for those of you who are not, um, the one thing that the Lord is really laying on my heart for this new year is that it's time for us to grow up in faith. Amen. It's, it's time for us to become uh, uh, more skilled uh, in, in, in the use of faith, um, to become uh, stronger when it comes to, to faith. In other words, the Bible talks about Abraham again, our example, our pioneering example. Um, he started at a place in faith where he was weak in faith, but the Bible says that he grew and became a man who was strong in faith. Uh, and, and if you understand the kind of faith that, that, that was developed in him, um, I think it would be fair to say he became very strong, very strong in faith. And so what that means and what that looks like, those are going to be some of the things that that we really focus on at least in the first part of, of 2020. And most of that's going down on Wednesday nights. And I know a lot of you who come on Sunday nights also come on Wednesday nights. Um, but notice what he's saying here. The substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. Amen. And so there are all kinds of things Hebrews 6 says things that accompany salvation, okay? Things that accompany salvation. There are a lot of people who have received salvation, but they're either ignorant to things that accompany it, um, they're, or, or they're not interested, or they've... They, they've been lied to and they, and they, and they believe uh, 
so ignorance or deception, these different things, um, or just that sluggishness. That's what he talks about later in the, in the chapter. Um, but there are many things that, that come along with, that accompany, uh, that God gave to you, that became available to you, that, that were put within reach for you um, when you were born again. Amen. But we have to go after those things and lay hold of those things by faith. See, religion tells you to let go and let God. Amen. Well, you know, religion's telling you to let go and God's telling you to lay hold. Amen. Now, I understand, amen, I'm not trying to just pick a fight with somebody, but, you know, there are certain things we do need to turn loose of. Amen. Um, but Father's looking for a partnership with you, a cooperative fellowship uh, with you, to work together with you. Um, this idea that, you know, you just letting go and letting him and you go eat cream-filled donuts while he fixes your life, it is, it's not how it works, okay? Um, it's not how it works at all. Um, and it, it, so, but again, I think if, this is what I've learned in my life, and I, and I talk about it in, in, in the book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction. Um, if, if, if this pen, for example, is something that I need to turn loose of in life, amen, the best way to turn loose of it is to focus on laying hold of what I need to be focused on laying hold of, right? In, in other words... We were not created for, for not doing. Um, and so if we'll just focus on laying hold of what we're supposed to lay hold of, that'll, that'll resolve our turning loose of the things that, that we don't need to be holding on to. You, you, are you following what I'm saying there? Amen. Uh, instead of trying to not do the negative, if we just focus on pursuing the positive. Um, you know, and so this is you know, the, the laying hold. And we do it by faith. I mean, we, and I know for some folks that's just almost a frustrating uh, answer or statement for you, but it's, it's, it's not nearly as hard as the enemy has tried to make you think that it is. But last point here, and I know I'm getting low on time, but let's just push on through this. Are you good for a few more minutes? Okay. So he believed God, that's faith, and the substance of his faith So when we talk about something having substance, um, there is a, uh, a physical, I'm going to use a big word on you now, materiality. In other words, there's, there's something physical. Um, this is a pack of batteries we have for the microphone. I mean, it's got, some, it's got some substance to it. It's got some weight to it. Matter of fact, for a package that small, um, it, it's obviously, I don't know what they put in these things, lead, I guess, but, you know, it's, it, it's heavier than something ought to normally be that size, right? There's some substance to it. But this is, this is physical, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's in the sense realm, and, and, and I can touch it and feel it and hold it and, and, and what have you, okay? Well, faith also has a weightiness, it also has a substance, but it's not physical materiality. It's, it's a spiritual materiality. That doesn't mean, you know, the fog bank of our imaginations. It's, it's a real thing. 
it just it transcends uh, physical senses. In other words, I, you, you can't touch it. Um, Jesus could Jesus could spot faith. Amen. <laughs> when people had it, he he would see their faith. But what he was actually seeing was what they were doing because they had the substance of faith in their hearts. All right. Now, why is this so important? Notice that the substance of faith is what made a connection between something that God had for Abraham, for him to give him, and now Abraham is on the earth and he desires and needs what God has, but apart from faith, there's no way for God to impart it to him. I use the example because, you know, God created electricity. And there are certain things that will conduct electricity. Um, when we flip on a switch, we, we release electricity to the light bulbs. Um, when we turn them off, we, we shut the flow of that electricity off. It's, it, it's, it's no longer being released to the bulb. It's, it's being withheld from it. Are you, are you, I'm just trying to show you some things here. So what faith does is faith becomes the conductor. Faith, faith is what allows um, what God has released to you to, to flow into your life. Um, it's how the connection is made. So we see that, that Abraham was way ahead of his time um, when he believed God. But notice... His belief in God's desire to, to make mankind righteous hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus actually came to do what was necessary to make man's right, men righteous, Abraham was let in on that secret. He believed it, and faith drew that into him. I'm not doing a very good job with this part right here. In other words, generations before it was even available um, to, to be uh, um, received. How can I do this, Lord? Let's see. Um, so, uh, you know, the cell phone companies, you know, they talk about the day the new cell phone was going to be released, right? You know, Usually it's around October, you know. So I don't know, October the 3rd, 2020, iPhone 12, whatever, is going to be released. It's not even available yet, okay? So God is preaching to Abraham, talking about, he preached the gospel to him, told him what was going to happen, what he was going to do. And Abraham's faith, he heard it and believed it, it it, let's, say, let's see if we can say it this way, an early release. Amen. In, in other words, he received and became, he received righteousness as a gift before Jesus even died to make that gift available to us. But he, that's how powerful faith is. The substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. Think about what he's saying right here. And I, go back to the woman with the issue of blood. Y'all remember her? She went and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. 
again, the substance of her faith released healing into her body. The substance of her faith released healing into her body. She didn't ask for healing. She didn't say, Jesus, will you please heal me? She didn't ask Jesus to touch her, lay hands on her. She didn't even ask if, if, if for it. Are you, are, you, are you see what I'm saying? Jesus wasn't going to her house to knock on her door to heal her. She came after Him. The substance of her faith reached out late to the point that Jesus knew healing was released from Him, but He didn't even know who it was released into. Right? This, this is the... In other words, I'm not... I'm not trying to overstate this, but it's Father's will for us to be healed. It's Father's will for us to be blessed. It's Father's desire for His children to prosper. It's Father's desire for His children to be free from sin. This is who He is, right? Man, you, you tap into that by faith. The substance of your faith will release that from Him into you. I'm not, I, I know the Bible says to ask. I know the Bible says, but I think her case is a classic example of someone who didn't even ask. It was just a given that, that God wanted her well. And the substance of her faith is what caused healing to be released to her. It, 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 oh, praise God. It's like, it's like something under pressure. Right? And it was, if you could have heard it, this is going to be kind of silly, but if you could have heard it in the spirit realm, when, her, when she grabbed hold of him, I believe it went something like, in other words, healing was in him trying to get out of him. And her faith, like, Putting air in a tire. You know that sound? I bet heaven could measure it, right? Right, something like, I don't know, 43 milliliters of healing just left Jesus' body and flowed into her, right? But it was the substance of her faith that caused that to be released. Amen. Well, praise God. Where are we? Out of time other than that. Let's keep going. Verse 7. So those who are the true children of Abraham will have the same faith as their father. God's plan all along was to bring this message of salvation to the nations through the revelation of faith. Long ago, God prophesied over, over Abraham as the Holy Scriptures say, through the example, through your example of faith, all nations will be blessed. And so the blessing of Abraham's faith is now our blessing too. But if you choose to live in bondage under the legalistic rule of religion, you live under the law's curse. For it is clearly written, utterly cursed is everyone who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in this law. For the scriptures reveal, and it is obvious that no one achieves the righteousness of God by attempting to keep the law, for it is written, those who have been made holy will live by faith. But keeping the law does not require faith, but self-effort. 
For the law teaches if you practice the principles of law, you must follow all of them. Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it. He absorbed it completely as He became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed. Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place and in so doing dissolved the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in Him. Amen. Amen. So do you see how he's answering this question? Did God not reveal to you the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? He's covered a lot of ground here on what it means, but then he settled in on this. Jesus being crucified meant Jesus became a curse because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. But he became cursed. What does it mean for him to become cursed? Why did he become cursed? He became cursed as our representative, as our substitute. He came under the curse that was on top of us and lifted it off. He absorbed it into himself. That's what he's saying here, right? Why? What does it mean for him to be a curse for us and lift the curse off of us? All of that means so that you can now be blessed with Father Abraham. Amen? All right, praise God. Thank you for being patient with me. Stand uh, tonight. Do you get anything out of this? All right, so when you wake up in the morning, uh, as you start your morning routine, um, I want you just, you know, as you talk to the Lord, Father, what, what does Jesus' crucifixion mean to my life reality this morning? What, I'll tell you one way to do it, and Paul did this. He, he said, um, okay, so what if Christ is not raised from the dead? What if he was just another man who was executed by the Romans for um, extreme beliefs? <laughs> you know? Well, he goes on from there. He says, well, we're of all men most miserable. Our preaching is in vain. Um, we're still under the law. We're still under sin. Um, we're still doomed for a devil's hell. In other words, notice what he's doing there. He's, he's reversing the question, right? Um, what, would, what condition would we be in if Jesus hadn't done this, right? Um, but then the other side of that coin is, what does it now mean to us? What does his crucifixion mean to us? What is it producing in our lives that could not be produced any other way? And then as you go through those things in your mind, confess out of your mouth, Father, that's me. Um, listen, it, I've, I've, I've asked you over, you know, over the years, you know, and again, this is between you and the Lord. I'm just telling you what, what I do and what he's been leading me to do here lately. But um, one of the things that I am confessing quite frequently. As a matter of fact, when I lay down at night and, and I'm having trouble going to sleep, I just shut myself off in my mind and just begin to say over and over and over to myself, I've been redeemed. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed for every, from everything that has anything to do with that curse. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. Amen. Our minds need to be, be reformed by this truth, amen, that we are redeemed from the curse of the law and the blessing of Abraham is now upon us. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for what you're teaching us. Thank you for how you're helping us. And Father, may we go, as, as that song said, determined and focused, 
Father, to do what's right, to do what you've called us to do. Um, Lord, to represent you, to represent you, uh, Lord, to those um, that are around us. And Father, I thank you for your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.